This is Unclaimed Bands. Hey music listeners, this is Sean from Unclaimed Bands. And joining me tonight is Ira Walker. Welcome, Ira. How you doing tonight? Hey, it's great to be here. Things are well here in California. Nice, nice. What part of California are you in? I'm in Northern California. I do a lot of shows in the Chico, College Town, and the Sacramento, sort of the mid-state area. Cool. I don't think we've ever interviewed anybody from Northern California before, so you are our first. Oh, well, great. That's glad. I'm glad I'm the first one. That's good. That's a good sign. Good start, too. So I'll tell you what, before we jump into the full interview here, why don't we uh, play a song for everybody? Um, what are we going to let them hear? Why don't we just listen to the title track of my latest CD, uh, my first solo venture, and the title song for, from the CD is called Blame Me, and we all have those Blame Me moments. Why don't we start there? All right. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely do. Okay, this is Blame Me by Ira Walker.
Okay, that was Blame Me. Title track off of Ira Walker's CD. Hey, man, first things first. When did you first become interested in music, and you know, how did it all begin for you? Um, I, I really enjoyed the classical percussion. So as a kid, watching the guy in the symphony and then going to church, and as a kid, everybody has sort of a little musical instrument, tambourine. And so drums was my first instrument. And that's really how I started, started in the music. I never really set out to be a musician, but a few things just sort of led me that way. And in the end, it was just my way of being happy and participating in a joyous life. Cool, cool. I'm glad you certainly did it. I enjoyed your CD, and and uh, we're gonna get into some other things here as well too about about your uh, your writing and all that. But for for this CD, uh, for the body of the work that you put into it and all that, um, what what do you what do you, what do you draw your inspiration from? What do you like to sing and write about? Well, fortunately for me, I the little that little kid who always has that imaginary friend. That imaginary friend never died. So it's very whimsical. <laughs> And it usually starts with rhythm, uh, a catchy thought. Uh, I may think of something. So, for example, blame me. I wouldn't. I I just put out the CD, but some friends who work at the San Francisco Grammy chapter said you got to do something with this CD. So, uh, blame me was just a thought process of everyone has a blame me moment. And I was working with a lady, Miss D, who was touring in place of Etta James at the time. So mm. really, Blame Me was a song that was written for Etta James. So I wrote three songs, and she liked, she liked the material, but she had gotten sick, and so we never really got a chance to make it official. And so they sort of just were songs that I, I was really enjoying listening to. And then when I decided to put out a record, I just went back to that. Uh, that that those songs and that was the title track but mostly it's just that process of how I feel at the particular moment or a project for example like working with Etta uh, I just thought that that would be a great attitude to, you, you know for her and that was more of an attitude song so it was sort of written with that in mind myself and a lady named Miss D pinned it together yeah, I think I think for people out there who don't know you, uh, we should preface this by saying that you, before doing your own solo CD, you've uh, you've played and you've written a lot of songs for a lot of other uh, famous artists, and you perform with them. You know, people like Steve Miller, Joe Satriani, Eddie Money. Um, you know, I mean, and the list goes on. I was looking at your bio here, and I, I really people should take a look at this. And of course, your discography. So you know, I mean, so they understand that you, you've written, you've been around for a while doing this. This is more like you just picked up. Hey, I'm going to do a CD today. But I, I wanted to ask you, as far as um, for all the people that you've been a producer on and, and all that, at, at you know, and you've been doing this since 1978, right? Give or take a couple years. That's that's about right. Professionally recording, I had a, I was basically doing professional recording starting at that point. Coming from the background that I built my first amplifier, so I was like a boy child, you know. I was into, I was in the geek and music at at that time, you know. So so at you know at I gotta ask at this point in your life after doing that, what what made you go, you know what? It's time I released my own CD, which I think is great, by the way. But what 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 was the inspiration for you to do? Blame me. The, the, the music, the, the the business was changing around me. And believe it or not, I have a couple of albums already cut and in the can that I probably won't release right away. But, you know, the music was recorded 
but the business was changing around me, and it was really the impetus. I have friend, like my friend Larry Baptiste, who's uh, who is uh, he's the grant he he's a Grammy uh, musical conductor. My friend Larry Van. Wow. These are all friends and mentors. Uh, who's in the West Coast Blues Hall of Fame? I used to go to his house and play drums, and these guys are saying, "Hey, you got to put out some music, or otherwise the business is going to pass you by." And so that was sort of the impetus. And it's kind of strange because uh, there are some really wonderful producers out there, and I'm all—I'm a little hesitant to call myself one, but I can because I have the experience. But. The notoriety is always is proof in the pudding. You can be a great artist, but if no if nobody calls you Picasso, then you probably ain't. You know, <laughs> yep. it was one of those deals. And so the impetus really was, you know, I had all these really uh, wonderful people that I loved and admired encouraging me to do so, and that led me to just putting together the material that I had. And some of the material I wrote on the spot, like I wrote "Eye on the Prize," just what I needed what went wrong those songs were written after the fact even though i had like another 20 or 30 songs i could have ch chosen from i decided to just write for the record in correlation with what i have and if you listen to the record none of the songs kind of sound the same it's kind of crazy oh no not at all i'm sorry go ahead i i, I love the record well, thank you, man. <laughs> and that's kind of what it is. I said, oh, I need one of these songs. Oh, I need one of these songs. So I on the Prize came about that way. Um, uh, what Went Wrong came about that way. And so that's, that's how it works for me. I just kind of let that little voice inside of me lead me to whatever's fun. And if that, if that has a rhythm or a tone to it, I guess you could call it soundscape. And so with the musical background and the ear training, these things sort of kind of come second nature to you. It's funny how, you know, hey, man, kicking of a can and the wind blowing as you're riding your bike with the sunglasses turned a certain way can just draw uh, inspiration. If you're tuned in, you know, you can't fly if you got a bunch of weight on, the, on you. You know, you got to be really lighthearted if you really want to fly. And that's kind of the, the impetus for it all. No, 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 you're absolutely right. I don't think uh, too many people have said it any better than that. Um, I got uh, with so you have a you have more stuff ready to release when and if you want to do that and when you're going to do that. But are you working on anything, anything new, anything exciting you want to talk about? Well, you know, I have a bunch of material, and as a writer, producer, singer, songwriter, it's like a it's like a chef who can get any ingredient at any time. You just start cooking, man, you know? Uh huh. And so I've been working on a bunch of material. It's, it's sort of, um, I started it out with my son, and it's kind of hip-hop meets uh, bluegrass meets funk. So we got some upright bass, violin, accordion with some hip-hop beats and some soul and melodies and some kind of funky grooves underneath it you know it's, it's kind of in there it's really interesting and we just started the project and it's called the love rascals and the whole thought behind it is the kind of music you can just hug on to and you know do your thing to you know the love rascals i uh, know <laughs> i like that and very fun <laughs> and cool. so you know my song hey I'll tell you here, let me give you an interesting taste you ready yeah. you know on the album there's a song called God's Face you know the song very yes, well right yes I do okay so listen to this can you hear that mm-hmm 
Well, the lonely man listens to the radio. It's just about the only friend he's got. Talk shows over and his favorite songs played. He reaches out his hand to turn it on. In the silence, he tries to remember where he might have gone wrong. His failures hit him all at once. The Lord has got to be the saddest song, yeah. It's a cold world we live in, but there's a spirit inside at peace. As the stars burn out in the morning light, my story fell, became a tear upon God's face. So that's, you see what I mean? I took that song and gave it this kind of hip-hop drum groove with this kind of bluegrass overtones, and that's what we came up with. So that's what the album is going to be like, and it's uh, kind of funky. Wow, I can't wait to hear that. You have to definitely let, let me know when that's coming out, man. <laughs> yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, the Love Rascals. So, yeah, keep your eye out for that, for sure. We should have some, we, we should probably have a video, and, uh, well, actually, it's Becca Holden is the lead singer. And Jeremy Hector is the bass player. And I'm the guitar player producer. So gotcha. I'm kind of like a background player. But because I do all the writing, uh, I'm really fortunate. And it's just an avenue to get some of the material that I write out there. Because I do R&B, hip-hop, country. And with the, with the background of the drums, it's a lot easier for a country drummer to go do a rock gig and a jazz gig as opposed to a country guitar player trying to do a jazz gig and a rock gig. You know, the tones, the more elaborate the instrument, the more the tones vary. And those subtleties are hard to make up, you know, the more elaborate the instrument, like, you know, guitar, piano. You know, usually those guys have a certain genre that they're specific to, whereas drummers and bass players can cross genreize, and that's sort of my, that's sort of an advantage for my songwriting and producing because I'm able to do those instruments here at my studio. Gotcha, gotcha. You come, and coming from that play, you know, that that background of being being with drummer first, I guess first and foremost. Um, yeah, that kind of helps you you know, cross over like that. That's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, the breadth of your work is, is just simply stunning. Uh, you know, all different, I've listened to just all the different kinds of music that you've, you've written on or produced on. And, you know, that leads me to the next question. For all the songs that you've written for or co-written with for other people, uh, is there any one that you, like, you're really fond of? Any one song that really just sticks out for you? You know... It's kind of crazy, but when my father died, I wrote a song called I'd Like to See You Again, and I don't even know if I know the words, and I'm touched. I mean, I'm kind of teary-eyed just thinking about it. I'm really naked here even just saying it, but that would probably be, you know, it's like my little secret song. I may never record it, and only a few people have heard it, but it's my favorite song, and it's is sort of a righteous testimony to uh, to what uh, we get when we sit down at the campfire a thousand years ago and the wise men tell us stories and then you look up one day and you're the wise man but the song was written as if I could see myself as the wise man even though I was a young man and it's called I'd like to see you again and this time we'll make it for a while you know mm-hmm 
all the lessons I learned in life, how I needed to learn them twice. And after so long, I can see why. I remember being told before you get old, some things ain't so kind. And, you know, you learn you learn from the truth. You learn by what you do. And that's the stuff that you can always be proud of. You got to tell somebody. So that would be the guy who taught you. And, you know, my father died some 20 years ago. But it's funny. You know, it's interesting. The lighter side of that whole story is this. A guy told me the other day, he goes, man, I really would really like to meet your dad. <laughs> well, that would be awesome. But the, the, whole, the whole thing that just made me so happy was he thought my dad was still alive. And the way I speak of him and how he's participatory into my life, Again, I guess that would symbolize why that song is so significant to me. But out of all the ones, that would say that one is it. But then my next one would probably be God's face because of the same uh, sentiment of um, uh, of a reflection. But I have a song that nobody's hardly heard. It's a country song called Is He Worthy of Your Love that I'm really partial to, too. And it's just like what you think it is. It's it's one of those gut rich and love songs and yeah it's really good. But those are probably my three favorites. I'd like to see you again, God's face, and is he worthy of your love? If you can even pick them, because I mean that's like picking your children, and I got three hundred children. Ah uh, yeah, no, I you know what I I I have to say that I knew it was going might be a tough question, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask it because you do have such a. <laughs> A large body of work, you know. Hey, we got uh, through that pretty good, though. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Uh, today, Stranger things can happen. True, true. Today, what, you, what, you, what has been your biggest career moment? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. They kind of all tie together. I think it has to do with meeting Roy Siegel at Fantasy, getting... Roy Siegel was the head engineer at at, uh, CBS in San Francisco. And when I tell you he recorded everybody, don't don't get me pissed off. I mean everybody. From 1960 to 1960, if you were a rock star and you came to San Francisco, he recorded you. You can't name nobody he didn't record. So at that one, talk about being in the right place at the right time. I meet Roy Siegel. I'm, I got a publishing deal with Roy Siegel. I meet Herbie Herbert and Marty Cohen on the same day. Wow. And I'm sitting in a room with Roy Siegel. Herbie Herbert and Marty Cohen. Herbie was the manager of Santana. Herbie's a friend of mine. Marty, who was my manager, died recently. But Marty signed, at one point at Warner Brothers, he had like 13 or 14 number one songs coming out of Warner Brothers, like consecutively. He signed Little Feet, Nicolette Larson, oh, God, Christopher Cross, Gary Rafferty, Ronnie Montrose, Tower Power, the Doobie Brothers, Larry Graham. I know I'm missing some people, 
Oh, geez, it's just amazing just hearing this. So when Marty, if you look on my CD, you'll see tribute to Marty and Herbie as executive producers. These are just people who <laughs> just made, and it was at that time that that was probably the biggest moment of my musical career. And uh, I would say the next biggest moment was being on the road with Kepmo and looking up one day backstage um, at the Montreal Jazz Festival. I'm sitting there jamming with B.B. King, um, Kepmo, Lucky Peterson, and Mavis Staples. And... (laughs) I mean, it's like walking in somebody's garage, and you don't even know who they, you know, and they just, wow. Wow, that would be incredible. Jeez. Yeah, not too many words were saying. Everybody was just laughing. It's just like, you just kind of look around and go, (laughs) wow. (laughs) But, yeah, that Marty, Herbie, Roy Siegel moment when they all came in. And I had a band called Billy Satellite, and that's how I got my first record deal in 1985. Roy called Marty and Herbie. And they both came down. Herbie signed off on the band, even though he didn't manage us. But uh, you know, they all that was the, that was the moment. That was when it all so it's sort of interesting. Um, you know, I want to be a football player, but you know, sometimes you just a man's got to know his limitations, right? <laughs> and I was lucky enough that I got caught on the right side of the fence. Because if I had to do something else, I probably wouldn't have been as good at it as I am at this, you know? Mm-hmm. And not those people, man, they buy their way in to something that you can't. It doesn't work that way, but they think they can, you know? And that's the whole thing that kind of cracks you up about Facebook people, really. Everybody's a celebrity now, and they want to be celebrities. <laughs> man, let me, let me tell you something. That cotton shirt looked good until you start picking that cotton, okay? <laughs> <laughs> You know, everything that glitter, it ain't gold. Mm-hmm. Even though I have a modest career, I can't, I really can't, <laughs> I cannot wipe this Cheshire grin off my face that I may have gotten away with something, minus the glory and the notoriety, like my sanity and my love of life. <laughs> you know, some things money ain't worth, some things money just can't give you. That's true. It's so very it's, true. It's, that's sort of interesting that I'm doing this interview with you because that's really the whole joy I get out of the music business is, you know, if I had to go, if I had to do one thing, it would be have a hundred people at the gig and I could get to meet them all at the end of the show and just kind of chill and talk about life and what it does to us. Cause you know, there's an old saying, you know, if you're not feeling good, people want to know when was the last time you sang and danced. I mean, that's more of a tribal kind of, uh, kind of a thought process. Hey, you're not feeling good. Well, when was the last time you was jamming? <laughs> you know? Get some instruments out. Let's start jamming. <laughs> no, I understand. Uh, I mean, we, we do these interviews for the love of it because we certainly don't make any money. <laughs> hey, I appreciate it, man. And, you know, I won't say too much, but, you know, it's kind of weird. I've been, I've been associated with uh, those guys for three years and you're the first person that's ever contacted me about anything and it's kind of interesting because well, i'm the only person of... with taste so you know <laughs> <laughs> hey listen to me this is true and this is for all the listeners out there like it or not all hearing is not created equal 
Very, very true. But I like the fact that the music business is popping and there's a lot of people out there trying to do it. But boy, sometimes you kind of wonder. Because you know, you see it on TV all the time. These people are crying because they didn't make it. And they really have no talent. But boy, it's kind of funny. But you still got to have the music. And it's the love of the music that I think that matters. You don't really have to be talented if you really love it. Unfortunately, that's the truth. And look at Bob Dylan is a great songwriter. But he's not a lot of people's famous. Uh, they don't think he can sing. But I was watching something on TV recently, and I think it was like some presidential stuff, and they got all these great known singers, and they're all up there singing. And Bob Dylan, I couldn't understand one word he said, but he was the best singer of the whole night. <laughs> and, I just, and that's what I mean about if, if you really have a real joy for music, then yes, it's good. It's, it's something you should do, for sure. Yep, I agree with you. Well, tell you what, uh, why don't we take a pause and let people listen to another one of your songs. Uh, what are we going to hear this time? Let's keep it real, man. Let's, 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 let's tell it like it is. If I only had one friend. All right. This is If I Only Had One Friend. Oh, I 
light in a song If I only had a one true will I'd want it to be you If I only had a one true I'd want it to be If I only had one friend, Ira, what's the best place for people listening to go find what what's going on with you? What's the best place for them to keep up with you? IraWalker.net, the Ira Walker Band on Facebook. Uh, I just found a wonderful booking agent, and that is jumping off. I'm a one-man show, so it took me a while to get going. So those are the two best places. You can also buy, purchase the CD at irawalker.net. You can also get it at the other uh, well-known retailers, CD Baby, uh, iTunes, Amazon. But if you order it through irawalker.net, you're getting it from me, and I will personally send out an autographed copy of the CD. And Sweet. Really, it's great to be on, and thank you so much for this opportunity. And oh yeah, yeah. To- well, I want to thank you for for submitting because that we don't get the interviews unless people submit, and you know take a chance on us. <clears throat> but all right, you know, do you? I wanted to ask you. Um, looking back, uh, well, no, no, no. What What do you want people to get from your music? What do you want them to to really take take away from it? If it offers anybody an, the, an extra step of courage, because it's hard to do the right thing, and so it's just uh, if just take away a little bit of courage that anything is possible with, you know, the right attitude. You know, that's it. That's I, I have this love for music, and that's what I. That's sort of my impetus of why I enjoy it. It's, it's that fear factor, getting over the fear of expressing oneself. And so you hear it in song. You should hear it in a song or two off my record. And I really offer any artist record. And so just to be inspired, to to find courage in your life, to be inspired. Those two things go hand in hand. Cool. You know what? Nobody, nobody in over a hundred interviews has ever said it better than that. That is that's really Thank cool, you. man. That's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. I'm gonna call my mom and tell her you said so. Uh, I'm being serious. <laughs> We, we don't ask it all the time, but when we do, you know, you, you oh, hear, you hear awesome. some shallow answers, but that was just fucking real. Oh, I'll, I'll cut that out. That was just real. That was real. Thank you. Um, 
But look, I'm going to let you go. I want to thank you for doing this interview with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, everybody out there listening, uh, you've listened to two songs. Now go get the rest of this man's work, okay? Uh, I, I personally also love the blues, so uh, it's just an extra treat for me to be able to do this interview with you. So, um, you know, until next time, everybody, this is Sean from Unclean Bands. My guest has been Ira Walker. Ira, thank you again. Hey, thank you guys so much. Sean, great job. And what you offered me today really means a lot. I cannot tell you how happy I am that we've talked and contacted with one another. You're awesome, man. Uh, and I like what you're doing for artists like myself, man. It means a lot to us. You, it's my pleasure, trust me. Until next time, everybody, uh, make sure you tune back in for more interviews and more great music like artists like, artists like Ira. Uh, talk to you all later. The statements, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals and in no way reflect the views of unclaimed bands, its parent company, or subsidiaries.